Greetings and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com. We study one parak of Tanakh together each podcast. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom and I'm honored to be studying Sefer Divrei Hayamim with you. And in this podcast we begin the second half of Divrei Hayamim, which in our editions is referred to as Divrei Hayamim Bet. And so we begin anew with chapter 1. David has just passed away and given the full charge to Shlomo in front of all of the leaders. And Shlomo will be the king, and Shlomo will build the Beit HaMikdash. And now we begin the story of Shlomo's kingdom, which will take us all the way through Perak Tet. So this and the next eight podcasts will be focused on Shlomo as ruler. From time to time, we will again, as we did in our study in Devarim Aleph, go back and reference the parallel uh, presentation in the period piece, which is Bait Rishon, or at least closer to the period piece, which is the uh, which is Sefer Shmuel and Melachim. Here, of course, it will all be in Melachim. So Shlomo was strong in his Malchut, which means he took a uh, a uh, strong position uh, as king. God was with him, and God raised him up to be powerful. Now this pasuk is strange, because we have Shlomo says, and we don't hear anything he says. We heard of them in the previous parak. So he spoke to all of the heads, the heads of the, uh, the the military heads and the judges and the leaders and the heads of the households. What is it he said? So evidently he said to them, let's go to Givon. Givon is in uh, the outskirts of Jerusalem today, in the area of Givat Ze'ev. But uh, Givon was a separate city in the territory of Binyamin, which is which was at the time considered, still is, northwest of Yerushalayim, and it is the place where the Bama, the central worship site, had been after Nov was destroyed. And now we're going to spend some time back in the Mishkan and referencing the Mishkan that we know of so well from Sefer Shemot and Bamidbar. And so... He went to Givon, where the Ohel Moed, meaning whatever remained of the Ohel Moed, remember the Ohel Moed was transformed into a quasi-permanent structure in Shiloh, subsequently destroyed in the loss of the battle to the Plishtim, the Aaron was taken, that's in Shmuel Aleph Perak Dalad. And so whatever remains there was, were now in uh, Givon. That Moshe, the servant of God, had made in the desert. Aval Aaron HaElohim, however the Aaron itself, David himself had brought it up. We read about that in Perak uh, Yudbet, Yud Gimel of Devarimim uh, Aleph. David had brought it up from Kiryat Yarim, uh, that David had prepared a place. David had established or prepared an Ohel uh, for it in Yerushalayim. Um, and uh, and he, had, he had brought the... Um, and brought the Aron uh, to Yerushalayim, so that's why the Aron is not part of this scene. Um, Sam or Sham and I and I uh, mentioned Sam or Sham because there's two ways to read this. 
Uh, and uh, in some of the uh, manuscripts, it's with a shin smalit, a left side shin, which is a sin, and that would mean he placed it. And the others, it's in a right with the right hand shin, which means it was sitting there in front of the mishkan. And that phrase, Vayidrashehu, is a phrase that takes us all the way back to, really, to, uh, um, the, to Sefer Dvarim. The Shichnoti Drashu Uvatashama. Seeking out God. But evidently it has some sort of a connotation of particular worship. Um, and it means that we, we are to worship God in His residence. That's what the command there in, uh, in, in Dvarim. Uh, uh, means, and um, and evidently here, uh, it means the same thing that they uh, that they went to uh, to worship, and as we see, that's exactly what they did. Um, so again, emphasizing, this is the mizbach hanachoshet, the copper mizbeach. One that has the frame and is filled with dirt or filled with rocks inside, um, which is before Hashem, which is, uh, belongs to the Ohel Moed. Vayal alav olot alaf. He brings a thousand olot. Right? Balai lahahu. On that night, Nirai Elohim lishlomo. God appeared to Shlomo. There's a, 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 a smaller, um, introduction to this piece in the parallel Malachim Aleph Gimel. Uh, and that is when Hashem appears to Shlomo and famously offers him what he offers him. And here we hear the, pretty much the same thing. What do you want? What should I give you? Essentially seeing what it is that Shlomo is going to ask for in order to be able to be a ruler. So Shlomo gives an introduction. He says, you've done great kindness with my father. And you made me ruler in his place. I'm recognizing this chesed. Your words should be trusted and solid with David, meaning I'm, a- I'm going to ask you something which will then confirm your promise to David, which is to have a permanent dynasty. You may be king over a nation which is numerous as the dirt of the earth, meaning there are so many of them, and I need to be a proper king for them to be able to continue the dynasty. Give me wisdom and knowledge. I will be able to go out in front of these people, and I will be able to come back in. Now that's a phrase which earlier in Tanakh seems to have a, a connotation of military leadership. Which is what Moshe says uh, when requesting a leader before he dies to someone to take over for him, which ultimately, of course, is Joshua. However, here, the implication seems to be to go out in front of them means to lead them as a people, not as an army. Who could possibly lead these people? But Yishpot here implies leading them in a political sense, in a legal sense, in a, in a, in a, in a monarchic sense. Who could possibly lead them? It has to be somebody with great wisdom. I'm asking you for that wisdom. Meaning, Shlomo's one request when put into this great position of God says, what do you want? is to be given the tools to be a proper leader of God's people. 
So God, of course, is very pleased with this. Since this is what you had in your heart. You did not request wealth and property and honor. You didn't ask for the life of your enemies, meaning like your enemies on a platter. You didn't even request a long life. You had one request, and you made it wisdom to be able to be a good king. That's what you asked for. And God here emphasizes how happy he is about it, because he said, you asked for wisdom to be able to lead my people. A word about the, uh, about the word shofet in a moment. Uh, that I made you king over them. So I made you king over these people, and your one request of me is to give you wisdom so that you can lead my people in a better way. That's wonderful. Now the word shofet, um, which is usually translated as judge, and often, but not always, is used in that manner in Tanakh, actually means a leader. Uh, the best example of that is the fact that in uh, Perak, Bet, and Gimel of Shoftim, the book of Shoftim, we're told about God raising up Shoftim to lead the people, and nobody in that book does any judging. Question about one pasuk about Dvorah. But the simplest translation of that book is military leaders, chieftains. The last, the last, the, the, the least likely translation of the word Shoftim to, to describe the book that comes after Yoshua is judges, even though that's how it's commonly translated. Nobody's doing any judging there. The word Shofet, really means a leader. Now, the leader can be a leader in a court, or it can be a leader here on a throne, or it can be a leader, as in Sefer Shoftim, on a battlefield. Uh, parenthetically, the word Shofet is closely related to the word Shevet. As pointed out by many linguists, uh, see the Ramban at the beginning of Parshat Ekev as an example, that the Bet and Pei, both being labials, are interchangeable letters. And therefore, Shin Pei Tet and Shin Bet Tet are interchangeable meanings. What is a Shevet? So a Shevet takes two meanings has the meaning of a staff, a stick, and also has the meaning of a tribe. How does a tribe and a stick have the same word? Because the tribe is the group that coalesces around the leader who carries the stick, in the same way as mateh has both meanings. And shofet is, again, a leader of a group, the leader of political uh, or ethnic entity. Okay, so that's lichpot uh, tami, again, doesn't mean to judge necessarily, but rather to lead. So God says, the wisdom is given to you. I'll give you also the wealth and the honor that you didn't ask. And no king before you had this, and no other king will have as much wealth and, and prosperity as you have. All right, and that's the end of the vision. Now, as we know in Sefer Malachim, uh, afterward, immediately afterwards, it's followed with the very famous story of the two women who come before Shlomo with the baby, the two prostitutes who come uh, with the baby and the famous speech about Shlomo. We don't hear about that here. We go directly from Shlomo being given this uh, this blessing by God, and then we continue as follows. Now, there's something odd about this pasuk. First of all, because inherently it doesn't make sense to say Shlomo came to the Bama that's in Givon in Yerushalayim, which are two separate places. Second of all, he was already at the Bama. So the proper way to read it would be something like And that's the way the Septuagint translates it indeed. In other words, he comes from the Bagama in Givon to Yerushalayim. And he comes, leaves from the Ohamoed. And now he takes his place as the king. 
again in Malachim um in Sefer Malachim Aleph, this is where we hear the story about the Shtezonot. He then gathers or assembles or amasses uh, chariots and riders. He has a 1,400 chariots and 12,000 riders. And he puts them in particular cities that are set aside for the chariots and also in Yerushalayim. This already gives us a sense that something may be wrong because remember one of the three commands a king is to adhere to in the in the Parshat HaMelech and Sefer Dvarim, as far as things to avoid, is an excess of horses, because it will lead to the relationship with Mitzrayim. And then suddenly the, we find that the, the wealth that the king has been promised, he gives gold and silver to Shalim, it's like stones. It's a, The streets are paved with gold, Kilo. Veta Arazim, the very expensive cedar wood, Natan Kashikrima Shabashvin Alarov. They were like the sycamore trees, which are very common in Shiflat Yehuda, uh, and so the wealth was just everywhere. Now, this is before the building itself, Umotzas, meaning the act of building, which of course is going to involve all of those gold, silver, and and the cedars. Umotzas was Mitzrayim. Where did this, the horses come from? They came from Egypt to the south. Umikve Socharei Melach Mikve Yikhuba Mechir. They they bought them from Kve, which is a uh, territory in the north of uh, North Syria and the area of Turkey, um, and that's where the king's buyers got them, and they bought it for the price. And we find out that the chariot cost 600 silver pieces. A horse is 150, and so you do not think that we were perhaps being taken advantage of or overspending. That's how the Chitim, who were up near Kfei and Aram, who in Syria, that's how much they would spend also. And then Shlomo decided, again, Vayomer, as we said several times in the podcast, that Vayomer or Amar, whenever there is no direct target of the speech, means to think. Shlomo thought, decided, uh, concluded on his own, that he wanted to build a house for God, which of course was his main charge from David here in Divyamim, and his own palace. And where even though it belongs to the next parak, this parsha really ends with this pasuk. So we'll read it here. We'll read it again in the next uh, podcast. He counted out seventy thousand carriers, people who carry things, literally porters. And eighty thousand quarriers. And thirty-six hundred supervisors over all of them. And now we're getting ready for the work of quarrying the stones and hewing the wood and buying the wood and getting the precious stones and precious metals in order to start building the Mikdash and, of course, his palace as well, but mainly the Mikdash. We'll pick it up with Perak Bet in the next podcast. In the meantime, you should have a wonderful day.